0: This is Scott Becker with the Becker Group Business Leadership Webinar. The webinar is titled today, Growing a Business in the Era of COVID-19. We're gonna give our four panelists one of the toughest questions there is, how do you grow business and solidify business today? We've got four great panelists. I'll quickly give an overview, then I'll ask them to introduce themselves. Then we're gonna really talk about three or four questions. let we'll them a little bit about their business. We'll talk about their three or so best thoughts for growing a business in this area, in this era, and then we'll talk about what's the biggest problem or challenge they're facing currently um, and and how to deal with that, how to deal with that concern. Before we get started, if anybody has a question at any time, please feel free to enter into the computer. If you're not in front of a computer, please feel free to text me at 312-399-0774, again, 312-399-0774. And we'll be able to try and get our panelists to respond to the question. Our four panelists today, Amber Walsh. Amber's the chairperson of the healthcare department at McGuire Woods. She's built herself a magnificent practice. Does a lot of work, mostly for private equity funds who invest in healthcare and all kinds of healthcare related businesses. Mike West, Mike's the chairman and CEO of Glirio. We is a machine learning platform that's way ahead of the rest of the world in what they do. They work with huge institutions, government, educational institutions, companies, and healthcare systems. Third, we've got Nader Sammy. Nader is the CEO and one of the owners of National Medical Billing, a very successful revenue cycle company. He had a previous history of growing a revenue cycle company to great success. And finally, we've got Sheila Matuzek. Sheila is a brilliant co-founder and CEO of what is called Coyo Space. It's, she's a serial entrepreneur. This is her latest startup and again, a brilliant person. I'll ask each of our panelists to take a moment to introduce themselves. I'll also thank our producer, Jeremy Kaur, who's the founder of Executive Podcasting Services, who does a magnificent job of production. Amber, can I ask you to take a moment to introduce yourself?
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. So, as you mentioned, I am the chair of the McGuire Woods Healthcare Group, and that is a team of approximately 60 healthcare transaction and regulatory lawyers that works within a greater team of uh, nearly 150 uh, lawyers at the firm who focus largely on healthcare transactions and litigation. In my role, in addition to my day job of being a healthcare transactions attorney, I have the pleasure of working with several other firm leaders to drive the healthcare and life sciences strategic plans.
0: Thank you, Amber. And Mike West.
2: Thanks, Scott. Uh, my name is Mike West. I'm the chairman and CEO of Lirio. We are a uh, uh, the leader in behavior change AI. We focus uh, principally on influencing uh, behavior and outcomes for patients. Uh, they manage their healthcare journey. We combine uh, leading edge behavioral science uh, technology and capability with a very advanced neural network uh, that gives us the ability to communicate to patients uh, on a one on one basis at scale.
0: Thank you, Mike. And Mike, I understood that your business is also outside of healthcare. Is that correct?
2: Well, it ha- it has been historically, but uh, over the last uh, several months, we've really narrowed our focus, uh, and we're really driving uh, mo- almost exclusively now just in the healthcare world.
0: Thank you. And Nader, you've got a vast amount of business experience. A, a moment on
3: yourself. Uh, thanks, Scott. Appreciate appreciate you having me. Um, So I'm CEO of National Medical. We are the largest revenue cycle management company in the surgery center market with about 300 surgery centers in 35 plus states. And in terms of my background, I started life as a corporate finance attorney and then moved into investment banking in New York and San Francisco at UBS and Merrill Lynch uh, before I left and started another healthcare revenue cycle company, which we sold uh, in 2006, I then was kind of looking for what was next and was fortunate enough to meet um, our founder and president, Lisa Rock, who had started a company in the surgery center market. And so I acquired that company in 2010, and we've been building it together ever since.
0: Yes, and I've had the pleasure of knowing Lisa for about 15 years, and she's a remarkable partner and leader with you. So thank you for noting Lisa Rock. Sheila? Sheila?
4: Thanks, Scott. Uh, To tell you a little bit about myself, I've spent 25 years in commercial real estate, advisory and brokerage primarily, but also development and investment work. And I spent a few years running a real estate department for a tech company. I started COEO Space a year ago with my co-founder Kim Ford. COEO is Latin for to join or to bring together as we saw the need for transparent information and data more efficient way to help uplift and transform our industry you can think zillow or even the mls for commercial real estate
0: thank you And i know you've had great luck in some of your other endeavors sheila take a moment and, and tell us briefly about your business in the COVID era 30 to 60 seconds on sort of the current state of business unless Nader, mike and amber to do the same and then we'll ask each person their best three thoughts on growth in this era
4: Okay, great. While COVID-19 has been catastrophic for the world, it has actually represented an opportunity for growth for us. At Coeo Space, we've seen a huge surge in demand from tenants querying space online, and especially in industrial and suburban, and also a great need for virtual tours. And with COVID, we were pre-revenue, so we were fortunate that we didn't have a sudden drop in revenues, but of course, we will be taking on that challenge in Q3 and Q4 of this year. So we're hoping that the capital markets will be there for us um, as I do think the world is moving towards um, a digital strategy overall to increase their product.
0: Thank you. And Nader, do you want to take a second and introduce your business and what the status of it is in the COVID-19 era?
3: Sure, sure Scott, absolutely. So our clients, as you know, it's got their surgery centers. Um, so surgery centers have been You know, very much at the forefront of of the COVID issue with the moratorium on elective surgeries. And so clearly that moratorium has hit our clients and and of course us very directly. So just to give a sense of it, if you take the first three weeks of April volume for surgery centers, kind of on a national level, we're down 75 to 80%. And then the last week of April, about 65% down. And last week, Um, trends are moving in the right direction, down only about 40%, and I would guess this week will be around 30%. So it's kind of moving toward a more state of normal. Um, But from our business standpoint, given that we knew our clients were going to be mostly shut down, but given what we do, where we handle their revenue cycle and ultimately their cash flow, we viewed this um, as, as really our responsibility to work their billing, their accounts receivable, you know, the dollars on their
2: <clears throat>
3: on their AR very aggressively to bring in whatever cash we could in the door. So we kind of went all out. We determined the number one number one goal and, and objective for our clients is to stockpile and generate as much cash as possible during this. So 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 we took the approach of ensuring that 100% of our employees could work from home. We didn't furlough or lay off anybody. And we've cross-trained our team and reallocated them in a way to maximize the opportunity to bring in whatever dollars are out there during this downturn. And so undoubtedly, our clients and our revenue will take a significant hit during this time. But uh, we've we've taken the approach to make sure that all of our employees are fully engaged, working, training, developing, and ready for the pent-up demand um, when the the volumes spike back up to, to normal and, and with the pent-up demand, hopefully beyond. You know, the, the normal for some period of time.
0: You had mentioned that case levels are closer to back to about. I, I, I wasn't sure if I heard you correctly.
3: Close to sixty percent of normal at this point, or not quite that. Yeah, yeah. I would say, I would say roughly. You know, if I kind of look at last week, um, around sixty percent of normal.
0: And that's actually quite
3: a fantastic,
0: positive story compared to what people were projecting. So that's very positive. Mike, let me take a moment and ask you about the status of your business in the COVID era.
2: Yeah, thanks, Scott. So um, I'd come at it from two different perspectives. The the first thing that's been interesting was to sort of assess what's the productivity been like uh, since we went remote, um, you know, our organization is in some sense built for remote working. We've, you know, more than half of our of our team is scientists or engineers, and and so the, you know, they're, you know, oftentimes used to working in, in isolation. What's interesting about that is productivity output and overall just um, just capabilities has gone up substantially, which which then begs the question to what does life look like in terms of our work environment post-COVID crisis? Um, and it's an interesting conversation that we're having because the, the change is notable. From an external perspective, this has been an, uh, and, and, and I really hate to say it this way, but this is an accelerant for us. You know, if you think about, you know, the, the focus of Lyrio has always been to activate patients, uh, at scale in on a one on one basis to to actively uh, you know seek better health care and better outcomes and and, and overall uh, just just better activity in their healthcare journey. If you think about what's happened in the marketplace today, health systems have essentially over the last thirty to sixty days told patients to stay away from the the system. Now we've got to reactivate those patients back into the journey and back into the healthcare system, and there are barriers that exist now that didn't exist before uh, for patients. And so, um, you know, we, we focus on patient activation, and now we would just say we're po- po- uh, focused on patient reactivation. And in that regard, this has been a, a very big accelerator
0: for us. Thank you. And Amber, let me have you focus a little bit on sort of the business of law and business in general, and, and just tell us about what you do and the current status of business.
1: Sure, absolutely. And a lot of what we've experienced is similar to what Nader described. In a business like a law firm and really any other personal services firm, 100% of what we do is in service to what our clients need at that given time. So seven weeks ago, the needs of our clients dramatically shifted and has continued to shift throughout those seven weeks to First, dealing with workforce modifications, and in some cases, how to effectively and whether to close. Next, in making choices about elective procedures, um, the circumstances in which to do them, um, and other delivery of care options, like telehealth investments and how to effectively do those within legal modifications, turning then to um, the Paycheck Protection Loans, other relief programs, and now in some cases to reopening safely and effectively. These are all existential issues for our clients, and the rules have been changing more frequently than daily, which is really a pace of legal change that is absolutely unprecedented, and it requires lawyers to really shift their thinking and be able to process things on a dramatically faster pace than ever before. And this is going to continue, we realize for several more weeks. It's not possible to say these rules are hard and we need more time or we need deep understanding of SBA law to analyze paycheck protection. That's not an option for our clients. So, we've had to flex our teams of lawyers to be able to process these things very quickly and give guidance on pretty much an immediate basis and nonstop. And that is just different than the normal pace of a law practice, but it's been absolutely critical. In, in,
0: in, let me start. I minute. Mean, if each of you, your three best thoughts on business growth in this area, synced into the point, you know, 60, 90 seconds apiece. Amber, let me start with you, and we'll go back around that that uh, this this line. Amber, your three best thoughts on business growth right now?
1: Sure, absolutely. So growing business for our team, and I think many business leaders has really always been about first making a plan that's built on core strengths and focused on getting ahead of the curve. Second, following that plan with discipline but three, also remaining flexible enough to seize opportunities that might not have been anticipated when you made that plan. I think these same principles hold true in the COVID-19 era. It's really easy to forget these principles when the world gets turned upside down and it feels like there's only time to be reactionary. But I really believe, and this is something I've had to frequently remind myself, that it is critical for leaders to return to these principles of plan making, discipline plan execution and opportunity seizing. But of course, returning to these principles doesn't mean just dusting off the same old pre-COVID plan that you might have had for your team. These plans almost certainly need to change based on what your industry has experienced and how industry needs have changed.
0: So no, fantastic. So a lot of focusing on the core of what you do, staying in touch with clients, staying close to the business, staying with them, and then a focus on, okay, my goodness, what changes are going on that we respond to and be ready to respond to professionally.
3: Anything
0: to
1: Absolutely. Add to that. Yeah. It, one of the things that I would point out is that the additional benefit of returning to these core principles, and I agree with the way that you built that out there. The additional benefit of returning to those core principles and kind of dusting off that plan and making sure that you've now implemented changes in that that are COVID related, it allows your team to turn back to being proactive in their thinking and no longer merely reactive. I think that's a powerful means of regaining some control over a situation like this pandemic that at times has felt very much out of control. So when you are able to refocus on your business plan that's now been modified based on what your industry needs and how your industry is now operating differently in COVID, it is powerful and I think kind of helps bring your team together.
0: One more question how important is it to take care of your team during this challenging time to be able to grow your business?
1: Oh, I think it's absolutely critical. And that's actually one of my big concerns. When I think about two populations that I am most focused on the first and the one that I can impact the most is our McGuire woods healthcare team. And In a business such as ours, in a law firm, we have one asset and it is our people. And I'm hyper concerned that the team remains connected and functioning as a team rather than merely as a collection of individuals. And we were very fortunate in our group that we had some really young leaders as well as the partners in our group that were very focused on this very early on and did not allow any of our team um, who were scattered all over the country to kind of hole up and wall up within themselves and get separated from the team. Lots of people in our group were making great efforts Um, Tim Fry is one of our junior attorneys in particular that has done a remarkable job of making sure to keep connected in a variety of ways. And it is what is going to, I think, help us ensure that we are strong when we come out of this.
0: Thank you. Mike, your three thoughts on business development, what should businesses be doing right now? Amber, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Scott. So, you know, I think
2: the first thing that um, that um, I'm willing to admit is that there is no clear roadmap for where we are right now. Um, I think it's, I mean, I think it's just uh, being honest with our organization and with ourselves that um, none of us have really experienced anything quite like this. The first priority that that comes to mind and was the first priority for us is is a people focus, and that is making sure that our team Um, is safe um, in that they're they're able to work to the best of their ability free of any sort of emotions worrying about where the company's at and where we're going so you know we we focused on our team our team made sure they understand the purpose and make sure that they understand that the activities and the work that they're doing right now um, can lead us to where we want to be the second part of this and and it's really important and 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 Amber mentioned this in some degree, which is, you know, try not to react. Um, I see an awful lot of companies right now who are changing their business or deviating their business in a reaction, trying to react to something, and it almost feels like uh, they're swinging at a pitch that's already in the catcher's mitt. Um, you know, this is moving very fast, and now is not the time to react to everything that feels like it's an opportunity. What I think the most important thing is, and and this is, you know, again, based on the the best we can tell right now, is to think about how the solution that you have is solving problems for your clients. And the distinction I draw here is this, is, you know, in the past, we might have spent time talking to our clients about innovation, about um, the things that um, we do and the long-term impact of those innovations, and it might be a long-term horizon, and and that's perfectly fine. But the narrative has changed a bit. Now it's not about necessarily innovation. It's about solving today's problem. It's about today's pain point. It's about ingenuity and creativity. But that's a change in narrative, not a change in strategy. And that's really important. I think companies that, that try to change and react and change their strategy are at risk for not getting things done right now, losing focus, confusing their employees, and not really putting their best foot forward. At the end of the day, the only the where we're growing is when we break it down into simple communication, which is we understand you have a problem, we understand the pain is real. We are able to contribute to help solving that problem. And we'll worry about what this looks like in fifteen months. But right now let's solve today's problem. And if you can point your strategy without changing it and the narrative into that, then you have a chance because people need to solve problems right now.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. So it's really not completely changing your strategy. Maybe changing how you approach a little bit of it, and then constant communication as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look, I, some companies unfortunately right now have to change their strategy. <laughs> so, so that you know, some companies are not at the position where they can have the luxury of doing what they were built to do because, because the market's changed. But if you're fortunate enough that what you set out to do is still relevant and valuable, then you have to ask yourself the question, how are you selling it? How are you positioning it? How are you communicating it? Is, is your message um, resonating with people who are sometimes in a bunker and really are just trying to survive? If you come in with what sounded awesome in January, uh, with, and now you're trying to talk to them about some long term uh, thing and they're trying to figure out how to survive, they don't have time for you. It's about, you know, they're, 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 they're triaging their time because they don't have any. And so I, I don't think it's about, if you're, if you're fortunate not to, where you don't have to change your offering, then it is about asking yourself the question about how you're communicating your narrative.
0: Thank you. And, Nader, let me ask you your three best thoughts on growing a business today, not necessarily a healthcare business, but growing a business. What, what should you be doing today?
3: Yeah, absolutely, Scott. And, and uh, for, for better or worse, I'm going to double down a little bit on what both Amber and Mike have said. But, you know, first and foremost, I, I think the clear number one is more than ever really put the needs of your clients first, talk to them, listen, and really, and also anticipate what they need. So in our business, it was very clear to us, we're very aligned with our clients and even our business models aligned with them was that survival was key through this, you know, hopefully 90 day, 120 day period. And therefore cash flow is uh, cash really is king here from that standpoint. So we took a very proactive approach and, and mindset to not just, as I mentioned, um, really, uh, mobilizing the troops to do everything in our power to maximize the cash that was sitting there on their books. But also, we dove in and became kind of experts in all things uh, stimulus related. So, the CARES Act and the PPP loan program, how it works for these centers, you know, helping them think through the SBA affiliate issues, the CMS stimulus programs, um, which include the advanced payments grants, even the Hospital Without Walls. Helping everyone think through all of those scenarios that can do what they can to maximize cash. And we get pulled in a lot to just really be business advisors and help people, you know, even run financials and, you know, projections and and answer a lot of questions. So, more than what our core business is, but really we viewed our core business at this point was to help our clients, um, you know, through all of the business issues facing them, of which number one is. You know again how do you how do you maximize your cash position so that you're going to be able to survive and be ready when the pent-up demand comes back so that that really to us was was number one in the driver the second one which you guys have mentioned was was our employees so number one our clients number two our employees take care of them they are our greatest asset retain them keep them safe keep them engaged in the business train them most importantly be very transparent and honest with them you know we've done town hall meetings with our staff we provide, you know, the volume numbers, where they are, Uh, they've been, you know, we've we've kept them in the loop every step of the way. And we really believe that will strengthen us and strengthen anyone who kind of does that on a a long-term, you know, basis. And then finally, from a sales and marketing standpoint, I think be very sensitive to the tone of message. You know, moods change daily. So, you know, the message that we might be going out today is very different than a month ago or six weeks ago. So I think you need to be able to adjust and and change. You know, it's not a time to hard sell, but probably we're past the time of, you know, the we're in this together message now too. I think someone said the other day that they've made a drinking game out of every time they hear um, we're in this together. So, you know, I think it, it is a very important message, but I also think you've got to be sensitive people have kind of heard certain things. And really, I think the right approach is, is listen to their needs and try to deliver value um, through whatever whatever ways you can to really meet the needs and desires of their clients and you know and finally just leverage the latest technologies to help you connect and communicate with your clients and with your employees uh, which i think a lot of us all of us probably have done to some extent i think those are going to continue to evolve and and allow in a changing world to be able to stay connected in, in different ways so i think those are those are my biggest big ones
0: Nutter, no thank you.
3: Let me ask you to do this. In 30
0: seconds, summarize those three or four points just so somebody wants to check was they've got them.
3: So to me, number one, put your clients first. Anticipate their needs, whatever you think their number one needs are and go all in on deploying your resources assuming you have the skill set to meet those needs. Um, number two, do everything to take care of your employees. They're going to be they're your, your greatest asset, and they're going to be here for you long-term. And number three, be very sensitive to the tone of your sales and marketing message. And I think right now, be you know, a thought leader, be an advisor. And, and long-term, I think that will, will come back, and, and they'll remember what you've done for them. Thank you. Sheila, yourself,
0: your three to four best thoughts on, on growing your business today.
4: Well, those have been amazing thoughts by the other panelists. So I'll give a couple key ones for really growth stage companies or even early stage. My advice is to build and enhance your tech in as fast and agile a way as possible. Invest in really what you think the market's going to need post-COVID. And then you'll be ready to come out strong with an aggressive marketing plan. So I think it's a really great opportunity for high growth and tech companies to get laser focused on building their tech out even more quickly than they had anticipated pre-COVID. Second, along the lines of this um, webinar, social media is an amazing low cost way to grow your brand awareness and make meaningful connections. So my advice is to use the time to create valuable content that has extended reach and participate in in events like this. We're spending a, a lot of time getting our Awareness up through LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and um, our tech team has even told me their goal is to make me a Twitter star. So that's definitely nothing I would have anticipated a year ago. But um I have to say that, you know, through a lot of these social media platforms, we've really been making really high quality and amazing connections, and we think it's going to help our business a lot. So, Those are the two things I think I can add. I I definitely think culture and being connected to your employees is also key. And those that are making a sacrifice today for your company, I think it's important to let them know that that's not unnoticed by the leadership team and they're highly valued and the plan is to reward them when things get back to normal.
0: But I think two great points by you. First is if you're in so many people somehow or another are in the tech business and the software service business, somehow or another, And so to really double down and improving your tech right now because in the long run, if you come out with not a great product, it never really gets adapted. And so to sort of double down on that, use this time to do that. And then second is to keep on building brand awareness so as you do start to sell into the world that there is, you've got that ear support, you've got sort of that name recognition and so forth. Um, Sheila, let me ask you another question. I'll come back around. Um, 60 seconds each on sort of and I'll encourage our audience to to send questions in to through to the computer online or to the phone number I gave you, 312-399-0774. Sheila, 60 seconds or so on the biggest concern right now and how you address that.
4: Well, right now, I'm a believer that we're going to come out of this sooner than most people are saying. Um, I'm optimistic about it. Maybe it's after living through 9-11 and the economic downturn in 08. But right now for us, the biggest challenge is access to capital. We're building a platform company. So we know that the network effect and rewards can be incredible and lead to hockey stick growth. But for substantial growth, we do need access to capital. So we spend our money very carefully and we've been successful raising money to date. So we're just hoping that the capital markets are there for us, so as well as other tech companies that need capital to grow. I'll say on a broader, more worldly scale, I'm really concerned about entrepreneurs that run small restaurants and salons. So given that, as my kids say, I'm not the world's greatest cook, we're definitely doing our part to support everyone's takeout service and a toll on those workers and those enterprises. So two different um, concerns, but both very important. <laughs>
0: Thank you very, very much. So sort of capital is a big concern going forward. You're hoping the recovery is going to be a little bit better than people have been projecting so far. And a great level of concern for all the small businesses out there that can't sustain business or cash flow and can't recover if they're closed for too long. Thank you. Notter, if you were talking to a sibling about, Biggest concern in business right now and how to address it. How would you how would you look at that?
3: So Scott, maybe I'm going to answer just slightly differently than that. You know, I, I know one of the questions. Of what's you know one of our biggest kind of concerns here facing us? Uh, you know, I would I would sort of and maybe it's um, you know the optimism from that standpoint. But again, we're seeing trends. Uh, you know, in our our business, we think it's going to be whether it gets to 100. percent, you know immediately or not we think it's going to get back. I think the the really biggest concern that I sort of see from a big picture standpoint is you know the mental health of our nation right now and and as it relates to that the you know political tensions and divisions uh, continuing to increase every day but I don't think anyone is coming out of this unscathed you know you look at grade school kids that aren't in school they can't play with their friends you've got high school and college kids that are missing graduation missing sports seasons, missing their friends, college kids that thought they had jobs that now don't have jobs and don't know what to do, you know, adults fearful of losing their jobs, you know, crazy stress. So just the ripple effect of all that and how people are going to handle this if this, you know, continues and extends on. I saw, you know, California, you know, or LA indicated possibly another, you know, 90-day, you know, stay-at-home type of order. Those things, you know, right now, for a month or two, it seems like... You know, people are are managing through it. The longer this extends, those are those are areas that you know that that I'm concerned about. You know, I'm truly hoping that our nation, the world, can can ultimately you know safely and cautiously get back to our American way of life before severe damage is done. And I believe it can and will be done. But you know, that's that's probably one of my bigger overarching kind of concerns as I look at all of this. You know, at really at all aspects. Well, of life.
0: And, and you and you already see sort of, um, you know, they're they're showing that. Overdose deaths are way up. We have 70,000 overdose deaths a year now, and they're looking to be 50% up this year or so. You see behavioral health clinics, rehab facilities are busting at the seams. And so there are great challenges that you speak of, no question. Um, Mike, and then I'm gonna ask you or Amber another question about how to get employees back to work. Mike, what's your biggest concern right now? Um, and how are you dealing with it?
2: Yeah, so I, I think um, what I would say is this, you know, it's it's relatively easy to uh, assess uh, potential risk and things that might happen within your organization. You know, you, it's generally something you can do to sort of understand the, the various things that it internally can influence your business and, and to frankly develop a strategy for how to deal with that. What is more challenging is things that come or affect your business from the external that you really have no control over. And right now is um, the highest level of uncertainty that's existed in in, certainly in my lifetime, Um, I would say in almost anyone's lifetime. And so, you know, how you manage that uncertainty and maintain your focus is really going to be very, very important. Um, You know, My experience has always been, that it takes longer to do everything you want it to. Uh, You need to raise more, almost twice as much money as you think you're going to get. And hope is a really lousy strategy. And that's in good times. Um, And and we're not in good times right now. So I think that what the challenge is going to be for any leadership team is maintaining the focus on the things that you can control um, and, and reading those signals and advancing the ball on those signals And then ignoring the noise that you can't uh, uh, of the things that you can't control. And at the same time, sort of getting yourself in for the long haul, because um, that's what we're in. And I think that managing that while, you know, think about it. All of us are on this call because we want to build momentum. We all want to play offense. Um, But the truth of the matter is, is, as a nation, we're playing defense. And we will be for a while. And so those two things can exist together, but they only exist if you stay focused. And it's really hard to be focused in an environment where there's so much information, and most of it is inconsistent. Um, so it's very hard to make decisions when you don't have good data.
0: It, it, and, Mike, you've made a wonderful point about you can control some of your own micro risks in your industry or in your own company. You know, sort of you could sort of see those. What's happened here is sort of these broad macro risks that are way outside of control, uh, whether brought on by the pandemic, brought on by government, brought on by all kinds of things that make it a very difficult situation to predict. And so you made a couple other points. You only use twice as much capital as you would have needed, anyways, uh, just to make sure you're safe and to do everything you can to be sort of anti fragile. Amber, mm-hmm. let me ask you your biggest concern. And then, how you're dealing with it. Then, when I want to ask an audience question to you, um, but first, let me start with your biggest concern and how you're managing it.
1: Sure, absolutely. So, I mentioned earlier, and a references as well, in being focused on your own team and your client base. So, I, I won't repeat what I mentioned about the team, but on the client base, obviously, for a personal services firm like a law firm, an accounting firm, investment banks, We are only as strong as our clients and the industry we serve. We have one source of revenue. That's it. So our client base must be strong. And I'm very focused on that and the decisions we make and how we spend our day is focused on ensuring that we're doing what we can to ensure that the healthcare industry, as much as we can impact it, comes out strong on the back end. And I am personally a big believer in the value of competition in healthcare, and that we cannot have a healthy system without having several healthy, strong providers of all specialties in a community. So if we can view our efforts as helping our clients to thrive from the large systems to the small physician practices across specialties, that's how we will ultimately thrive as a firm and a community. So we're very focused on ensuring that we are helping them come out on the back end, being able to have flex their own businesses for strength.
0: Thank you very much. Let me ask if, if someone could come on this question from the audience. Well, one of the questions is, how do you foresee employees come back to in-person locations? I mean, some of these businesses can be run largely remotely. Who of the four of you is dealing with in-person employees? I know Amber, you traditionally are, but a lot of those are remote right now. Nader, I think you have pools of people yeah. that work in Missouri, someplace. Yeah.
3: No, I'm happy. These thoughts on yeah, how I'm people happy. come
0: back to, to physical to... places? Yes,
3: yeah, Scott, I'm happy to to answer if you'd like. We we have three physical locations in Missouri and um the state of Missouri has sort of given its its um you know stay stay stay-at-home rules and then the individual um you know counties are separate so one of the counties in which i think it was may 4th they um allowed businesses to essentially start going back to work um we we waited a week um we what we did was we pulled our entire team to see who wants to come back now, who wants to come back at the end of May and beginning of June, kind of get through get through you know the school year. We have a lot of working parents, um, and then who wants to who ideally would like to work at home through the summer because now summer situations are are completely different for everybody. And what do you do with your kids if you've got young kids at home? Um, and who even wants to work home permanently? Not that we made that decision, but we wanted to get a feel for it. So. What we're doing is we kind of took that poll and we're very slowly, uh, we've taken all the precautions for the CDC and consulting advice, et cetera. So, you know, in terms of, you know, usage of masks, all the testing, all the cleaning, all everything, you know, all the steps that, that would be recommended we're doing. in our office, so the first office opened um, Monday this week where we just had um, well, two offices, 12 in one, like nine in another, and we have about 250 people, you know, between those three offices. And um, so we're slowly bringing them back. Um, and again, having very safe, you know, all social distancing, spread out of offices. And and we're going to, we likely will have, I would say, by the end of the summer, maybe, you know, 40 to 50% of staff back, and then we'll evaluate it at that point. So it's a very slow Um, slow path and we're kind of taking the lead a little bit from our employees of who's interested and ready we don't want people to go back who they don't feel safe but we've had a lot of requests from people who are dying and want to get back to work too so um, St. Louis is not yet um, um, I think it's the 18th allows for it so we are gonna start with like 10 or 10 people on the 18th and then again each week add roughly 10 as they desire to go back in so Anyways, I don't know if that's helpful, but that's kind of our approach. Very staged and very cautious and in getting the input of our employees. No,
0: it, it, it's, it's really helpful. I know I talked to a hospital CEO today who, one of their hospitals, they've got the biggest cell system in the state, and one of their hospitals they brought, they had 100 cases coming in the last week from a meat plant that just recently opened up. The meat plant reopened, thousands of people in it, also in the hospitals, 100 new cases, So these stagings and these phasings seem so important to try and reducing how much spread and and how much infections you get um, and keeping employees safe and so forth. Such an interesting challenge. Amber, any thoughts on the physical location issue and what you're expecting?
1: Yeah, I'll just um, add something additional to what um, Nader mentioned, and that is one good source of guidance is OSHA actually has a really, pretty strong publication for steps that different employer types can take to reduce risk. Um, for our firm in particular, um, we are um, working with the task force on how to, um, we're phrasing it as reentry. None of our office locations actually closed um, because we've got some essential personnel who have continued to on a limited basis and rotating shifts, and of course with some additional caution, um, including some of the steps that Nader mentioned, have continued to go into the office. But the vast, vast majority of our teams have not been. So we are working on plans for what that reentry might look like. Um, what is interesting um, for a firm like ours, where most of our locations are office locations, um, where most people have to, for example, ride elevators, that adds some additional complication. And how do you bring in teams when they have to be on an elevator and still maintain social distancing and, and proper safety precautions? These are the levels of detail that teams like that, um, like our reentry task force, is having to think through. And I do find that osha publication to be very helpful in helping employers who are starting to think about these issues like the elevator issue for example um, be prepared for it and put it on their checklist
0: thank you very much i want to ask our audience one more time if we get any more questions and if not i want to wrap up um sheila matuzak nader sammy mike west Amber Walsh, I greatly appreciate you joining us today. I greatly appreciate our our audience listening in. And again, thank you very, very much for all joining us. Uh, We'll hopefully have you all on again in the not-too-distant future. And thank you. And and, and thank you to our audience and Jeremy Corr.